This episode is brought to you by Canopy. Canopy.us backslash classical. Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We're a podcast about old books, old art, old sculpture, old stuff, and we are here to help you engage in learning in a way that is not terrible. Uh, uh, my name is AJ Hannenberg, and I'm joined by my compatriots, Graham Donaldson. Hello. And Thomas Magby. Hi. And we are fresh off the heels of Easter, and what would you call that thing we do every week? Would that be engaging in the intellectual life? Is that what you would call it? Yeah, I mean, engaging, uh, uh, pursuing the intellectual life. Uh, Maybe uh, just exuding, like exuding, living it. Exuding, just, just wow, I like that. Dwelling. We are intellectual. Oh, my word. Therefore, mm. Are we intellectuals? Uh, well, you tell us, um, uh, Mr. Magby and A.G. Sir Talange, what's that? Well, you, I mean, you're our resident French pr- uh, pronouncer, so you tell me. Is it not Sir Talange? Because I'm, again, Certainly, yeah, we'll go for it. I mean, yeah. if we got to keep up with our... Uh, with our Proper pronunciation Proper of French names. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a listener literally just send me an email with a link to the Montelou, that's not how you say it, pronunciation site. So, oh, no. Yeah, thank you. You don't need to do that anymore, <laughs> any of you out in listener land. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, for a while, my series of episodes were on, like, how to read history and how to understand history. This now makes part three of Thomas embarrasses himself with French names. So that's the actual underlying uh, series that I'm going through right now. Our podcast license is probably going to be under review. That's exactly this. right. Uh, yeah. All that paperwork we did yeah. at the beginning yeah, of this thing. Yeah, sure. I mean, you would think that anyone could get a podcast. You th- yeah, you yeah. think you could just like record it and put it on the, inter- on the internet. That's right, I'm, I'm ready with the bribes again. It's cool. <laughs> Wait, what? Get all those Apple bribes? Okay, so Graham and AJ made reference to this, but we will be talking about a book called The Intellectual Life today. The author of this book is A.G. Sirleonge O.P., so there are lots of letters uh, attached to this individual's name. So OP. He is indeed OP. He's so overpowered. He's going to get Most nerfed. Most overpowered French guy. He's going to get nerfed in the next patch. Is that what that means? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, I assume this. Do you all know what OP stands for? It means for? the order of preachers. Order. Yeah, exactly. And what does that mean? What does that what mean? Does that mean? Yeah. Uh, he's a... Um, shoot. Dominican. Dominican. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Dominicans get the comma OP at the end of their name. So again, it's, it's order of preachers. <laughs> really? That's cool. Yes. Oh yeah. How long do you have to be a Dominican to get one of those? I Can I just join I for like a month? Join. You can't, you know, it's well, a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong commitment. Yeah. yeah. That's how the, so you're OP, what is that? You're do, I like, life. do I have to pay dues? No, no. You got to uh, well, take a vow of poverty. Take, yeah. Oh, okay. I got that. <laughs> you <laughs> got covered. to, um, dedicate yourself to presumably some sort of liturgy of the hours living in a convent. I was gonna, well, not, uh, not, okay. a, a, not a convent. Uh, I was going to say, oh, can do. It's <laughs> <laughs> so messed up. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I didn't expect this to be an episode on the Dominicans, but yeah, you have to make a, what is the vow to uh Dominican order? I'm not going to find this in time anyway. Yeah. Poverty <laughs> don't is don't worry about it. You don't have to no. you, you think satisfy my, my silly question. That's like literally the whole reason this podcast exists. Okay. So order of preachers, Dominican, he is a Dominican. Uh, uh, he uh, and then AG. Does anyone know what the AG stands for? There's oh no, gosh, no, no, that one I don't know. Yeah, there's no reason you should. Is he? Is it some sort of like French? Is it oh. is Alphonse Girardot? You are so close. Is it a Am French really? civil uh, no. award? Uh, no, it's no. Uh, oh. it's his first name. Oh. So, <laughs> y'all weirdos. Why That's why I said Alphonse. Yeah, like, oh, I thought it was on the end. No, it's a guy. No, it's right. just the guy's name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are such weirdos. Alex. Okay. Yep, Alex. Alex. What? Um, Gerald. Yep. Al- How did you know? Alex Gerald Sirleon is the guy's name. Uh, his name, I, I, this is again me just butchering the French language. Antonin Gilbert. Gilbert? Antonin Gilbert. Uh, AG is what he'll be called for the rest of this because that is what he puts on the front of his book. So I'm going to go with that. A thing that is slightly confusing because I'm sure all of you are going to be looking up Sirleonge, which you know, you spell it the way it sounds. S-E-R-T-I-L-L-A-N-G-E-S. That's de- no, that, anyway, there's a T in there for some reason. Anyway, he changed his name from A.D. Sirleonge to A.G. Sirleonge. So there's your, in case you're confused by the Sirleonges as you look them up. Okay, let us talk about this book. Uh, Graham, you have some background with this book. What do you know about the intellectual life? Um, you said one, when you, when we like, first met each other you're like hey you should read this book i'm going to lend it to you for a brief spell and then i kept it for three years (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that um we did you did more than that you I made, also marked it up. And, contributions. To well, I thought I erased. I, I'm pretty. I <laughs> thought I'd funny. gone through because I did. I specifically did it all in pencil. So why why make the marks? If you're well, just gonna I was going to before I gave it back. I was going to type up 
Uh, some of oh, the, your notes and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Got it. Um, but did you do that? Yeah, I did. Did you actually? Yeah, yeah. I put them in. There. I have a bunch of it in my commonplace book. But I thought your commonplace was a, a written. Yeah, one. no. Sorry, I didn't no. mean. Uh, write them onto note cards. I so yes, I do. So I have, I have a series a, of I, questions right now. I feel like wait, I have no. a section of, of him in my commonplace book That's from. Cool. But um, so it's basically a book about. Hey, you want to be a scholar, but don't want to make money? <laughs> Here's how to do it. Was that your takeaway from this book? No, it, it's so it's funny. a it's a book on just the way of life and headspace one needs to pursue leisure, but in the classical sense of leisure of the intellectual life of, of learning for the sake of learning. Um, and parts of it are very practical, like here's how you take notes and here's how you plan your day. And other parts of it are not, are not other, <laughs> other parts of it are more, a little more theoretical. And, and yes, yeah, that's what I remember from it. Uh, AJ, is this a book that you have read before? No, I'm not interested in the intellectual life. <laughs> well, that, I know that part's not true, but <laughs> hearing that title, The Intellectual Life, um, how much how much do you want to vomit as we're going into this episode? Uh, I don't know. It could be interesting. Okay. I, I'm wondering how much it's about habits or like it says, what, what's the under the undertitle there? It says it's the spirits, methods. conditions, methods. Yeah. So it's just sort of like an overview it seems like a intellectual smart guy self-help book is what it seems like to me wow that's actually literally the perfect way that you could have described this book so okay we'll see if we sarcasm oh was that was he being sarcastic <laughs> no no, no. I, are you being sarcastic when you were saying wow that's a are you no are that's you... actually the perfect oh, description okay, cool. of this book no no sorry i know that i just sound sarcastic all the time but no in the in this instance i was actually being genuine uh, though I do have a section in my notes that are uh, quotes that AJ will hate. So just to be clear. Awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, I, I Just to whet your appetite for these. He talks about the importance of sleep. And instead of just saying that sleep is important, can I just read you this quote? I want to yeah, I I I get the uh, reaction to you. The attitude of the sleeper is no empty symbol. He lies nearer to earth as if he said to nature, take me back long enough that I have held out against your powers. Standing, I have combated your determinism against the equalization of all forces, which is the law of this perishable earth. I have set up the strong reaction of life. I now surrender until the moment comes to take up the struggle afresh. Were my eye rolls audible? Could, <laughs> could everyone in? If you could have turned those down just a little bit, that would have been great. It's actually... My, uh, you, it's you, nicer in the French. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a few moments where I've wondered about that. So in, in the translator's note, uh, Mary Ryan, who is the translator in her translator's note at the beginning is like, there are so many phrases I just can't translate. And so she just, she'll just have footnotes at the bottom that are like, here's, here's why I chose this, but there's literally no way of translating this French expression. So maybe it is actually better in the some point. Like you just got to give in to sleep and just <laughs> That's the thing stop standing said. and yeah, just let sweet, sw- sweet sleep overtake you. We'll come back to another like one it. later. You do like it? I do Was like it. Was it a beautiful and uh, poetic so. line? Good. Okay. I'm, I'm not setting myself up on the best foot with this, but well, it's, yes, the main point of this book is what AJ just said, is that it's essentially a form of self-help feels like the wrong term for it because it's, you know, like early 1900s is when this book comes out. So it's like pre-self, well, it's pre-self-help is what I would say, mm-hmm. but the first diet book came out during the Civil War. So maybe it's, I don't know, it's, it's in the self-help world. It is how, just to combine the two comments, it's how anyone can enter into the intellectual life and be a part of the intellectual life, in addition to, you know, an apologia of why it's important to be a part of the intellectual life. So we'll try and cover a lot of those topics today, get into some of the practical parts, and then assess it, see what we think of um, of Sir Leonge, his, his method, his approach to all of these things. Uh, just as a starting place with this, this is a book I read a long time ago. So if it was when I first met Graham, it's before I started at Veritas, which would have been five years ago or whatever. I, this was, this came from a, uh, I, I'm, I'm 100% certain that it's referenced in a podcast interview with Father James Shaw on the art of manliness. He talks about this book and praises it there. I think it's recommended in probably all of Father Shaw's books. It's It's one that he highly recommends one that was important to him for understanding how to pursue his intellectual journey. We've talked about Father Shaw before, but um, he was a Jesuit scholar, Jesuit priest, who died a few years ago at this point. Um, right, we, right around Easter, if I remember. Yeah, it was the Wednesday of uh, Holy Week. Yeah, um, It might have been a year ago at this point, maybe two years ago. But we've talked about him before. You can find other episodes on him. But he was very in, influential for me in discovering great books of the Western world, um, 
this idea of classicism or reading the classics, reading important works. Um, yeah, he's someone who is trying to make accessible that line of Western, great Western thought. So anyway, I, th- that's where I found this book is through uh, Father Shaw. And you can find that ep- if you want to listen to another episode, it's uh, the Art of Manliness podcast. And if you search James Shaw, it'll pop up in there. But it's a very good episode. All right. So starting off in this book, we're talking about the intellectual life. It's literally the title of this book. Who is an intellectual? What qualifies a person to be an intellectual? PhD, obviously. PhD, obviously, yes. Um, Yeah. Working at a university. Working at a university. So so actually, this is a guide to getting your dissertation finished within seven (laughs) years. I'm so sorry. That's what I meant to say. That's actually what this book is about. Makes you more excited, less excited. Well, if I remember, so this may not, I think this is answering the question. When he, uh, uh, he assumes, when when he writes the book, he doesn't um, assume, he assumes that the reader has a project, some sort of intellectual project. And that sort of is like an assumption that he has. It's like, okay, well, if you want to keep studying biology, but you don't work as a, and this isn't your profession, like here's a way to do it. Which I thought was very charming that he just sort of assumes that people have these like private amateur passions uh, that require intellectual pursuits. Um, but um, is that maybe part of the answer is an, an, uh, someone who is an amateur? Amateur would be a part of it. I, I would say most of this book is written to amateurs. And we'll maybe, again, I, I say this a thousand times each of my episodes. We'll get to that later, which means we never will. So, yes, it's mostly for people who aren't who aren't teachers. So kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of our joke at the beginning. It's not you know, the PhD already knows the stuff that they need to read. They already know the dissertation they're working on. This is for common people. This is for common men and women who want to educate themselves. I guess anybody that said, looked at a book and said, man, I really want, I really want to read that book. Um, is that's like the first step of being intellectual. Like it's somebody that, that has even just the first little bit of some kind of, project of the mind yes so that desire to start something but not really knowing where to go with it yeah and that's where sir leonge would be most helpful my book is literally falling apart for her how many times i flip through it i love this um aj what when you hear this word intellectual what what comes to mind well, i was gonna say <clears throat> graham probably phrased it better than i possibly could i was gonna say it was someone con- <laughs> I, I doubt well, that let's be let's be honest well, I, mean, I mean he did okay it's but. a simple way to put it is that they have a project i was gonna say they are concerned with either the finer points of some subject or progress within that subject so for scientists he wants to find new things for maybe or, te- or test something out yeah, or yeah. test something out for somebody who's interested in literature they want to further develop the thinking around a particular book or you know piece but all of that could easily be said as just a project. So I think you phrased it well. That's good. He, he will be reaching for a broad definition of, um, of an intellectual. So not necessarily someone, he won't define it as, as strictly as we're saying about the project that the person is pursuing. He takes as a given that people, well, I guess maybe not as a given because he teaches that people need projects, but we'll get there. Uh, this, these are the opening lines of the book. So when we speak of vocation, we refer to those who intend to make intellectual work their life, whether they are entirely free to give themselves up to study or whether through, though engaged in some calling, they hold happily in reserve as a supplement of their activity and as a reward, the development and deepening of their mind. So that phrase at the end, the development and deepening of their mind. So if we take that as a definition of intellectual, who qualifies as intellectual? I mean, anybody, anybody that's doing it, anybody that's sort of not, anybody who's in their free time is wanting to develop their mind on a subject as opposed to being entertained or amused in their free time. Yes. Well, that's actually, that's one of the points we'll we'll cross through and maybe we'll just jump there at that point. I, in at previous times we've talked about intellectual pursuits or again, this phrase, the deepening of the mind as some kind of high goal for people to attain to as a, you know, a thing that we would recommend all people to go after. And I think sometimes there's disagreement as to like how high, like, uh, like what is the relative value of pursuing intellectual things like in comparison to other goals that a person has. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll phrase it this way. Do you want to well, I was just say, that? is this yeah. different from like a hobby? If you're like, okay, mm-hmm. for, so for example, we just, 
uh, moved on to the piece of land that uh, my wife and I bought years ago. And now there's like a ton of la- landscaping that needs to get done. Sure. And so we've been spending all this time learning about the plants that grow in Texas and the kind of soil that we have and all that kind of stuff. Is that Does that fall under the intellectual life as he defines it? Because that seems a little bit – it's not like – I mean, it's, it's definitely learning. Yes. You're definitely – going to be doing and if we're going back to the scientific method of it we're going to be ta- there's going to be a lot of trial and error there's going to be a lot of testing there's going to be a lot of failure and note taking and thinking yeah. does that qualify as the as what he's talking about with intellectual life yes i would say yes this in again our our habit is to jump around which is what i like so the way the reason i would say yes ties in with this uh, therefore if you want to have a mind that is open clear really strong Uh, mistrust your specialty in the beginning lay your foundations according to the height that you aim to reach broaden the opening of the excavation according to the depth it has to reach but still you must understand that knowledge is neither oh no i won't won't read that part um but uh so lay your foundation according to the height that you aim to reach so you're in approaching uh gardening as your project you could just read books on gardening texas plants Mm -hmm. right that's like a whole line Mm -hmm. of books that you could you could um read and, and get information about but didn't we watch this together? Did we watch the, what's the one about the small farm, the biggest small farm? Yeah, the big, biggest little farm. Biggest, the biggest little farm. Little farm. I yeah. It's a documentary about people in California who start a farm and they don't know what they're doing and, you know, they make lots of mistakes along the way. Well, a lot of their early mistakes are they're not thinking critically enough about the whole ecosystem of the mm-hmm. farm. They're only thinking about the, uh, w- the problem in front of them. We've got too many them. slugs. Yes. Therefore, How are we going to get rid of these slugs? And, you know, uh, and I, I don't know if they do this, but, you know, we have lots of slugs. Let's put salt on the slugs. Yeah. Well, if you put salt on the slugs, you're going to um, kill the ground kill the ground underneath the slugs yes. you're salting. And then you can't grow any plants and then you have bigger problems. Right. Well, what they had to learn is they, had, they essentially had to become students of the entire ecosystem yeah. of their farm. Right. Well, that's what makes it an intellectual pursuit is that it's a broad knowledge that you're gaining for yourself with the high goal of. A, a fully functioning farm eventually. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I would put it under that category. And maybe that, maybe using the term intellectual in that broad of a category uh, erases some of the problems we've had in the past. I don't know. Is this triggering any of your alarms of like pretension or? No, okay. <clears throat> I don't think so. I understand that. So if Graham wanted to be more than just a gardener, he wanted to be an intellectual about all of these things. He could either if if to 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 lay the foundation for the height he wanted to reach instead of just reading about texas plants he'd be reading about about plant biology understanding photosynthesis laying all of that groundwork knowing about plants in general the different types like he would do sort of a scientific study leading all the way down to texas plants and yes. that would lead him to a greater height of understanding what's happening rather than just a practical understanding so i think that would be a sure. depending on what you want i i would call maybe both intellectual sure. as lo- as much as long as he's applying his mind to them but sure. And one that, is a greater aim. Yeah. But even that point is better because it's, it's circular in a way of you have what seems like a simple problem at, at the beginning, but there are no simple problems. And so to solve your, your very, what should be simple of what plant should I plant next? Mm-hmm. You have to learn about like all of ecology yeah. to get there. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess th- is the, the topic at hand or the subject at hand, which is gardening. Does that play a role? Like for example, think of a high schooler, who really loves playing some complex role-playing game and plays a game forever, but then um, tries to figure out ways to, like, min-max his character or tries to figure out ways that he can not break the game, but, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking that, like, there are things that you would look out of the surface of and say, well, that does not um, lend itself to... Or I would feel that... Mr. AG would be a little um, up, uh, would be a little squiffy if we were applying his methodology to something like a video game. Sure. But there are definitely um, an entire industry of people for whom that is what they do, and and they like are applying the methodology f- to uh, of the intellectual life to a game. Yeah, there's esports. There's I mean I, I'm not in the I don't I kind of gave up on video games a long time ago, so I'm not really up in the in, in, in how it sort of developed, but I don't, so this is subject matter. Yes. I feel like it has to, let's, uh, let's come back around to that one and see if we can get answers as we go along just to tie up this point on the field of what to learn. And again, where I think something like garden, even calling it gardening understates the work that you're doing for your land, Mm -hmm. right? 
uh, it is the uh, building of a productive farm. Is that the right term? But I mean, it's not just that. It's it's uh, we want. It's not just like we're going to eat food. We just want the various types of shrubs and plants and flowers, and we want things to flower. And then when they die, something else is coming behind them that's going to flower. So you kind of have this. Uh, you don't have this season where everything's dead, right. and you only have two weeks where everything looks good. Like you kind of want to have this sort of flow to it. Right, but it's that plus wanting to live alongside it. Because yeah. if you only wanted the plants to live and be fine, you wouldn't move out there. Sure. Right. So it, yeah, yeah. It, again, it's a more compl- uh, complicated problem than it looks like at first. So j- again, just to tie up on this, of this is um, certainly on just making a broader point about how you pick what to study. That first point we just read was about a broad foundation is necessary to achieve any heights in a subject, but he'll still acknowledge the need for some type of specific knowledge uh, but he is he's critical of specialists, as you will see. Mm. Everyone in life has his work. He must apply himself to it courageously and leave to others what providence has reserved for others. We must keep from specialization as long as our aim is to become cultivated men. So we must be generalist, right, to be cultivated. And as far as concerns those to whom these pages are addressed, superior men. But we must specialize anew when we aim at being men with a function and producing something useful. In other words, we must understand everything, but in order to succeed in doing some one thing. So it's this combination of broad knowledge, broad foundation, but to be useful to people, we're, we're going to need to learn deeply individual subjects. Um, this is tying in with what Graham mentioned earlier. This book is mostly written for people who have jobs. It's not mostly written for like future monks or whatever. And that's what he's trying to say. To be useful in some capacity will require specialized knowledge. But to be a cultivated person, man or woman, to be a great man or woman intellectually requires a, a general knowledge. Is that a fair comment? Do you all agree with that? I'm, yeah, I'm vibing with most of that, except the vibing. part where he says he's superior. Oh, uh, no, no. He, he's not saying he is. He's saying that this To type, be like a cultivated intellectual yes. person is to be a superior one. I've yes. always taken beef with yeah, sure. that. Yeah, I mean... If why is a cultivated intellectual any better than a man who serves his family, works hard? I don't know. That's, that's not the, community. Uh, I think the, the axis is, um, intellect. I don't know. Like, uh, if you have a 30 year old who's read a bunch of great books and a 30 year old who's played video games for those 30 years, like, is there a difference between those two people? You're, you're taking superior in the, in the language of like a value. Like does the video game person have like less value than the, book reading person well i i would maybe take constant video game playing as a lack of virtue in which case mm. there would be a problem but sure. so far as they both pursue the pursue the virtues i don't see any extra virtue in someone who pursues the intellectual life versus someone who has you know charity fortitude wisdom in how they act right i think that's the mm. that's the clutch right there is prudence prudence is where he might say that the intellectual life is superior but i don't know that you have to be specializing in any one field or have a great nope. wide reading to know how one should act in society. And so that's my problem is that, and that's my problem with almost all philosophers is they say the greatest somebody can be as a philosopher. And you know, I've always taken issue with that. Correct. Yeah. But he's not saying that. And again, this is written to people. Right. Well, we might get there later where he, he has a really touching section about, you know, um, um, fathers and mothers and, um, like, you know, having children, will eat into this time that you originally spent in intellectual pursuits, but that doesn't make it a, any less worthwhile and B having children is still better than like reading books. So like go for it. So he, he's trying to balance. Can you confirm maybe? Yeah. Having children is way better than reading books. Yeah. Having children. Checks out. Um, yeah. Uh, (laughs) my one experience is what, man, you got more, you got more babe experience than we do. This is fair. Uh, you, I'll check back in when they're a teenager. <laughs> yeah, let me know. But <laughs> I work with high schoolers and I like them quite a That's bit. That's true. So they are, I do too. Yeah, all of us work with high schoolers. Okay. So uh, who counts as an intellectual? That was our opening question. The answer is anyone can. And an intellectual is a, is a person who is pursuing the growth of the intellect. That's probably the easiest way to put it. Fellas, the intellectual life is a worthy pursuit. But in the modern world, there are lots of distractions. I mean, the internet is literally a machine that is dedicated to stealing our attention. That's hard to, uh, to keep the intellectual life if you've got something that is constantly uh, stealing your attention. There's been tons of apps that have, out, that have come out that, are, that block websites or limit restriction to websites, but this new app 
called Canopy, which is a sponsor for today's episode, is awesome. Not only uh, can it block entire websites uh, that are big time sucks like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, but if you're a parent, it can also block explicit content uh, for your student. Uh, if you're a school, uh, it's something that can not only just block entire web pages, but it can block partial web pages. So if there is uh, a web page that has worthy content but has questionable advertisers, uh, Canopy can block that stuff out. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, it's great. And, and the vast majority of Canopy's use case scenario is on mobile because uh, studies have shown that most teenagers now interact uh, with questionable and explicit content on their phones. I remember when I used to teach out of school a bunch of years ago, we tried to do one of these like first generation website blockers and kids could get around it in like 30 seconds. Um, and, uh, uh, but with Canopy, um, uh, there's, uh, the parental controls of it are, uh, are top notch. Um, uh, there is the parental app and then the app that goes on the phone, students can't, uh, can't get around it. They can't access web pages through like Google Maps, which is even a thing that you can do, uh, they've thought of everything to make sure that any kind of uh, front-facing or any kind of like web browsing application is going to have Canopy integrated with it. And um, you guys that listen to our podcast, you can go to canopy.us backslash classical and you can get 30 days for free and up to 20% off forever. So if you sign up, you get 20% discount forever. That's great. So canopy.us, that's canopy with a C, dot US backslash classical for 20 days free and 20% off forever. I think one thing to add just before we move on is when you're talking about that general, uh, general knowledge and then also the specialized knowledge that it sounds like it's something that you choose, but he meant, he referenced to the fact that it was providence. Yep. And I think that's definitely true is there are going to be you are going to be called to know, to learn about something that you, you maybe didn't necessarily think you were going to have to, um, right? Like we all got, ended up getting jobs teaching at a high school and therefore we now need to think about childhood development. You just need to think about like the growth of a soul through school and then also, um, which may not have been what we thought we were going to do with our lives, mm. but here we are and now we're learning about it. Mm or gardening. I never thought mm. growing up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, that I had to learn about Texas plants. Sure. Um, but here I am. And so there's there's a certain sense that also where the where God's providence sort of plants you in life, you kind of have to have a humility to say, okay, I guess I'm going to have to learn how it, I'm going to have to learn Texas plants, even though maybe like in my mind, I would have wanted to grow, I don't know, uh, uh, um, what are those? Uh, dahlias. Dahlias don't grow in Texas very well, but you know they're very beautiful. So I don't know. There's just this idea that it's not a complete choose your own adventure. Like you have to kind of work with the context that you find yourself in. Yeah, I was flipping through to find this. To act without throwing oneself into action is not the act of a man, and man cannot find real rest or instruction or training in it. Therefore, if there are not already any demands on you, look. Uh, look for causes which will inspire you because they are worthwhile. And that's, so there's something to the problem. This is what you just said. Problems present themselves and we either ignore them. And in your case, it would be, well, I hope the dirt grows something one mm -hmm. day, or you throw yourself into the task of um, figuring out how to better the land around you. I was trying to, there's another quote in here. That's um, either act or um, act with full force or not at all, but like don't half heartedly do anything. That's another part of it. So throw yourself into whatever is around you would be one of the lessons from this. Okay. So we are all over the place and this is good. So who counts as an intellectual, anyone who wants to pursue uh, the growth of the mind, the, or the development and deepening of the mind is the phrase from the very beginning. So hearing that phrase, the development and deepening of the mind, I would say that you two are people who have committed yourself to this. Again, you, oh, three of us, Mary. Yes, but I'm flattering the two of you and feel weird flattering myself. So um, you are a bunch of nerds on a podcast about, you know, old there books. goes the flattery. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. Good. Uh, what, what's it called when you like give a compliment and then like immediately undercut it? Backhanded compliment. Yeah, thank you. So y'all a bunch of nerds. So when you all hear about this deepening of the mind, I view this as something you all have already committed yourself to. Um, how long? I don't know. How, how do you go about that? I mean, if that's too broad, we'll get more specific. But 
Um, how, how is this something that's a part of your day-to-day life? I go about it poorly, I think. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? I mean, I'm just, I have, I have bad habits and I'm, I'm currently trying to kill those, but this is, the podcast is honestly one of the things that forces me to have good habits. I have to read a book for the mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, I have yeah. to research a piece of art. I have to, like, I had to read Faust for this right. and man, I never would have done that just on my own for kicks. So I also have a book club that I can usually keep up with the books, but occasionally I, I have to miss. I've had to miss this last one, but we're doing we're doing another book coming up. So that's another thing that forces me to learn and also teach in English and rhetoric classes. I have to learn about my craft. So partially this is one of the ways that I do it. So you have something on the line. You have um, the two of us that you have to be embarrassed in front of if mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. don't. I've got deadlines and stakes. Sure. Yep. No, I th- that's, that's a good point. Um, I think it's completely inseparable from some sort of habit of reading. Uh, you, I, so f- for me personally, it's there needs to be protected time in the day that is dedicated to reading. Um, normally it's in the evening, but that needs to be time that is not unquestionable because there's definitely times where you don't do it, but it needs to be seen as something that's built into the habit of life. So sure. this is the first thing that comes to mind is protected reading time. If you were to guess how much that time is, do you have any estimate? Um, it's probably at least f- like maybe like 45 minutes a day, okay. which isn't lots. And it's usually at the end of the day. And then um, um, before we were building the house and, and sort of th- that became a big uh, uh, time. So basically for the past two years, my reading life has been difficult. Right. But it would be – but then years past it was there could be entire – um, sort of afternoons out of Saturday where I was reading for three hours and then that became fodder. Yeah, again, fodder for the podcast um, or things that were brought into the classroom, um, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, you, yeah, you definitely need to have it be a, um, a, a protected time in your life, in your day. Yes. That's one of Sir Leon's main points in here is that the time needs to be set aside. So there's the amount of time itself, but then also that that time needs to be treated, you know, he'll use vaunted language with it, but it's holy, it's sacred, it's whatever set apart and needs to be guarded. Uh, That's the language you're using also, Graham. So you have to be really careful with that time because if you're not careful with that time, uh, people will take from it. Right. And you won't be able to pursue the things that you care about and want to want to go after his recommendation for an amount of time. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Two hours a day, Ooh. two hours a day dedicated to the development and deepening of the mind. What do you think about that length of time? It makes sense. Uh, I feel sort of as teachers who, so for example, on Wednesday and Fridays, I've got six hours of class uh, where I'm teaching. But a lot of that time, if it's a specific kind of class wherein there's going to be conversation, is not... Um, time that like it, it's also time that sort of feeds into that. So there, every once in a while, there'll be things that a student says they don't even realize it, but it's putting together some pieces of something that you'd been thinking about before. Yeah. And so you jot something down, and then all of a sudden you've got the next little piece mm-hmm. to whatever you've been whatever you've been turning over in your mind. So um, the job definitely, I think, feeds into that as well. So that's helpful. That's a good thing. Uh, if I was um, um, you know, uh, I don't know, like laying bricks all day. Um, or I, I, back when I used to work in a library, when I was shelving books all day, um, uh, you, you had less opportunity to do that. But you still find things. So it's like you're shelving books and you read the titles and you read the spines and you're like, okay, that's interesting. I've never heard of this thing before. You flip right. the table of contents and then you're like, I should come back to this. So I think if you, yeah, it's two hours seems like a lot of where it's just like sitting down at my desk doing X but if you kind of have your antenna up for it all the time, um, um, podcasts in the car, um, conversations with people, um, um, yeah, I was even at uh, a brunch for Easter yesterday, and, and uh, the guy who was hosting the brunch had a giant bookcase. And while there was a delay in the conversation, and he went to make eggs or whatever, I was left alone in the room, and I just spent maybe 15 minutes just looking at all the books in the bookcase, right? <laughs> and so then you're like, oh, th- this looks really interesting. This right. is a topic I've never thought of. I would want to read that book. That's how I get to know people that I've just met is I go looking look at, at their, their bookcase. Yeah. I feel like you learn a lot about a person looking at their books. It's yeah. terrifying. So I think I think you need to have your antenna up about it for the whole time or just sort of feel like it's always, it's always like a program that's running. 
So you're always looking. Yes, I, I think that's really helpful. So that when I hear two hours, I'm thinking a two hour like block. Yeah, it, it takes literally two hours and I'm focused during those two hours. And I don't think that would ever happen. He, you know, Zerleonge will also speak really highly of doing this work in the morning. It's like, well, maybe. I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's the polite way to say? This is never going to happen. Right. Yeah, good luck, buddy. Yeah. Which which is probably more on me than it is anything else. Maybe like one blessed summer day when all the stars <laughs> align and uh, like school is off for the summer. Yes. And yeah, but. But most every day it's, you know, I'm not waking up early enough to get fit in two hours and then go to work. I don't know. Maybe that's what. God made coffee for, but it would just, it, it just seems like it would go really poorly. I do think that I, I've read this before and you know, I, just because it's online, I assume it's true that the average person now reads more words a day than ever before in history. Mm. So like, you know, makes sense for long periods of history. Most people couldn't, couldn't read in the first place, but then also books were rare for a while. Anyway, we're surrounded by words all the time, but they're not books. They're not like great material that we're exposing ourselves to. I think your example of podcast is spot on that whatever information that in 1934 or whenever the first version of this book came out, he, you know, certainly on would have actually been focused on one book. We're experiencing that information diffused throughout the day instead of in one two hour block of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a 10 minute chunk of podcast here. It's a couple tweets that are like really fascinating. It's like collecting those things throughout the day. And I think that amount of time would be more than two hours. Yes. If you think about that, if you think about it that way. Right. But as some commenters uh, have pointed out, there's no substitute for actually reading a book yeah, sure. and, and like listening to a podcast is always a derivative of that. Sure. Um, so even, even this podcast is a derivative of this going book, and picking right? up this book and sure. reading it. Yes. And it's, I gotta say, it's a dense book. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of it's a lot of modern reading is derivative, derivative. right? Yeah. Where instead of reading the primary source, you're reading a codification of six different primary sources that is its own. Well, kind there's of a lot of fear, right? Version. People saying, "I really want to get into Plato. What's a good guide for getting into Plato?" And, and it's like, Plato you actually the, can do it. It's right. not hard. Right. I mean, it's it's well, Plato's not, an easier one. There's some Plato's tough ones an easier out there. one, but but. Um, there's just a fear that I don't have what it takes. I need, I need someone to sort of take me by the hand to, to get into it. That's why I just get the Norton Criticals, baby. Because they go. give you the annotations throughout? Yeah, they're yeah, that sure. extra little little help that you need. And then sure. if you're confused, there's always the introduction and there's like criticism at the end and explanation and essays. And I, I sure. find that they're super helpful. But I, I, you all are probably better people than I, but I remember this is in high school going through Shakespeare and having enough trouble with the language that I wanted to do the, what's the one that's like the no fear, no fear Shakespeare. Shakespeare. No fear Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. So like that would be anyway. So I'd have, you know, I think it does side by side, right? It has the no fear translation yeah. mm-hmm. in quotes on one side and the original on the other. So like, you know, I, I should have been able to read Shakespeare on my own, but instead I wanted the like, what's the polite term for it? It's like just bad, isn't it? I mean, it's translated is how our, I think our students would talk about it. It's, it's a translated Shakespeare from English to English. Language. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just, I so much identify, and maybe that's a part of the, that intellectual growth being dispersed throughout the day is that it's, it does feel harder to sit down and actually focus for, mm-hmm. you know, don't call it two hours, call it one hour. Like to actually sit down and go through a difficult book is really hard and to avoid the temptation to flip up your phone or like yeah. uh, take an off ramp into something entertaining is just, is something that's like genuinely difficult to do. I think it's just cultivating that. I remember when I was in high school reading Shakespeare and talking about it in class and you'd read it and you don't understand it and the teacher would summarize and you're like, okay, I kind of get it now. But yes. just distinctly that feeling of there's lots here that I know is going over my head. Yes. Like just knowing that you weren't getting it and being <laughs> and being comfortable with that. I had that feeling last week. Yeah. Faust. <laughs> this is not new to me. Uh, but I remember, so, and then uh, a really big... Uh, switch was flipped when I was in first year undergrad. I was in a philosophy survey course and we had our first tutorial where we sat around and I was sitting around with a bunch of these students and they were all using words I didn't know what they meant, like ontology and epistemology. There's, and I was like, I don't even know what those words mean. And I was sort of like, not in despair about it, but I was kind of, I, I realized that there was two paths. One where I could fake it and pretend like I knew everything. And the other one was I had to go and put in some work. And I remember talking about two hours a day at the end of class, going to the library at Victoria College on the University of Toronto campus and sitting in that library for, it must have been four hours at the end of my class before I took the subway home, multiple days for the first Mm -hmm. month of school. 
and just slowly reading whatever philosopher we were reading and every word I didn't understand looking it up and writing it down. And it wasn't until I did that, then I, then I owned it. Then I, then it was like mine and it was territory that I had won as opposed to mimicking other people's, um, the way that they talked in tutorials and that was a really big lesson for me. It, it was, one, I can do it under my own power. Two, there's no substitute for, like, sitting down and going and you know, sort of festina lente, right? Mm-hmm. Do, doing the long way right. properly. Um, and three, when you had it, it was yours forever. Like, it was right. – um, and you never felt like you were going to be this big faker that was going to get called out for not knowing something because if you didn't know it, you honestly didn't know it, as opposed to pretending like you knew it. Right. Uh, if you were just sort of copying how the smart kids in class talked, yes. so that was, and I, and I think that's kind of what he's getting at too. Yes, is you kind of have to put in that the legitimate time. time. Yes. And there's always the danger with faking it that someone in there knows you're faking it yeah. or being found out. Yeah, you're like ah, oh, yeah, the ontological, the study of you know like dogs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then being super embarrassed in front of everyone. Yeah, or like using phrases like "bottles the mind," yeah. and we got to curve that problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. These things that you've heard before? Is that actually a thing? I've corrected these in papers. Oh, in papers. Oh, yeah. this is wonderful. So, yes. But how long did it take you to get up to speed? Did you say, was it Plato? What did you say you were reading? Yeah, I think yeah. It was, that was a first year survey course, and I think it was Plato at that time. Did it take or maybe it was Aristotle. Did it, it was take the whole semester? Did it? Yeah. I mean, okay. it, um, it took a long time before I realized like I could sit with a page, because we would have reading for tutorial, and you had to come and be able to talk about it. And... Um, Oh, it probably took an entire semester before I even felt like I could manage a chunk sure. of the reading. This is, this is certainly on reflecting on like all of theology. So here's your fun quote for the day, among all these other quotes. It is not so difficult as people think to grasp the science of theology, nor is it a very long study to reach the degree of acquaintance with it that we have in view. It would be a different matter to take it up as a special as a a specialty which is true if you devote four hours a week to it for the five or six years needed to form the mind that will be quite enough afterwards you will only have to keep up with what you know so four hours a week five or six years Hmm. uh, would be enough do you want to guess graham do you remember how he defines like knowledge of theology it's a no, very funny is he, he like you've read all aquinas <laughs> yes it's actually that it's, it's you've read the summa that's how he defines that you know, theology it's very funny he has a section in here about what was it it's 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 called like you know the perfect uh the tomism the ideal framework for knowledge which i just anyway so yes so five or six years four hours a week is enough to get up to speed and intelligent i don't know what the word to uh, sufficiently cultivated to have discussions on religion would take only four hours a week and in the same with yours, you you put more time into it. It was a shorter number of you know it was five months instead of five years. But, but I had that I was in the environment where that can happen. And that's probably a foundation that you still have to this day. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, um, and it was less like the actual thing that I learned, and more just the realization that it's it's achievable. You just got to break through it, and you just got to stick with it. You can right? stick with it, yeah. and that. And I find that that's sometimes an ongoing process. Like I, I've known in the past what ontology and epistemology mean, but I looked them up yeah. just again mm-hmm. just now, just to make sure that I was using the words correctly. And that's what he's saying, right? right? You get yeah. to the point where then all you're doing is sort of a maintaining. maintaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also there's definitely been books I've read that I've entirely forgotten and have yes. to go back and sort of review. And so I feel yeah, it's a continual process of keeping up these. Shoot, things. now you're making me question it. So ontology is like the study of being, being. and mm-hmm. epistemology is how do you know stuff? Knowing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Study of Phew. knowledge. Phew. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. And that's, you know, I, I, I just showed you all earlier that, you know, it's, it's been, this book has been flipped through enough that pages are falling out of mm-hmm. it. It's one that I had to stop underlining things because I was underlining so much of the book. It was just losing its, like, it didn't mean anything to underline anymore. And so I started flagging things this most recent time through, but it's, you know, it's still overwhelmed with flags. Anyway, but there are parts of this book that I, I was re-remembering as I went through it, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, things that I had forgotten that I'd read in the book. Um, and so, and that's how most things that you read, you will forget, right? That's the way, that's not a bad thing necessarily. Maybe the goal is to capture the things that matter from the books that you read. Well, nothing. So, you know, Blinkist. Yes. So that drives me bonkers. Uh, Blinkist is one of those, like, we don't read a book. We'll just listen to us summarize it in 15 minutes. You can either do audio or you can read it. And and the whole 
shtick is that it's 10 to 15 minutes in place of a book. So let's think of the, so there's that as a paradigm. Oh man, then why these people write the books in the first place? Yeah. So I feel like, my, I'm going to have the opposite problem you have. So there's that as like, um, uh, as one way of like engaging with material. Yes. And then there's the other side of it, which is in the middle ages, there were people for whom they had maybe three books and they spent their entire lives like with those three books earn, like living in those books. Yeah. Um, and growing into those books and having those books grow into them and being this, you know, this, this, this rich, as, insofar as the book was worthy of that kind of right. devotion. And so if you sort of, well, we live in an age where we don't just have one book. Um, we have, but we also have, we also don't want to be like, um, I don't think we just want to be consumers of like bite-sized content. Graham, AJ, before we go any further, I want to thank our Patreon sponsors for making this episode possible. Uh, our Patreon sponsors support us at one of four levels. I'm going to go through them right now because I think many people listening, they want to be a part of this as well. They want to become patrons as well. Uh, we have a $2 a month tier. Those are Ghibellines at $2 a month. You get access to all of our episodes ad-free. You also get access to previous uh, uh, content that we've done mostly at uh, conferences, um, so you get ap- uh, access to many other uh, bonus episodes as well. At $10 a month, you get access to our our uh, in-between episodes, which we record after every single episode that we record. You also get access to our monthly AMAs, which I think are really funny, some of our best content. In addition to all the same benefits at the $2 a month tier, you get access to ad-free episodes. Above that, at the $20 a month tier, you... Uh, at that point are giving input into the podcast. You are helping us come up with future topics to come up with future merchandise in addition to all benefits from the tiers below that. And finally, and you heard about this uh, in recent episodes, we have added a Helios's acolytes of love tier at $100 a month at this level. You are a true believer and you are the most faithful of our listeners at this tier. You get all the benefits from lower tiers. You also get I can't believe I'm saying these words that you get a Helios's acolytes of love crew neck sweatshirt. You get Helios's acolytes of love Crocs and you get uh, a free uh, copy of all future merchandise as we create it. So incredible, incredible benefits at this, at this level that is only for $100 a month. You can find all of this at patreoncom slash classical stuff. Thanks again to our patrons and um, thank you all for listening. My only, so I'm to rephrase your problem is that, how dare they summarize these books down to 15 minutes when books are meant to be like engaged with? Well, even as I say that, yeah, then at I least think summarize to, them in an hour. <laughs> so well, now that I say that, podcast, I think there's like, please. there's probably like business <laughs> like management books that can be summarized in 15 minutes. And that's what I was going to, so my problem is the opposite where it's, well, those books shouldn't be published in yeah. the first place, right? <laughs> they're, they're, you know, many of them are vanity projects for yeah. the people who are publishing them or they are a way of, they, it's consultants who want to add to their appeal, so sure. they publish a book, right? You, you get to put comma author after your name. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay, it, fair so, point. So again, to say my problem's on the opposite side. I was listening to a David Allen interview. He's the guy who invented or founded whatever getting things done GTD. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that three business books are published every day. Well, I don't think any of them are worth reading, right? I don't, mm-hmm. you know, any of the thousand books. And I don't know when this was. This could have been an old interview, but that's insane. Yeah, that's craziness. Yeah, but none of those books. Probably none of those books are worth reading, so you're not missing out. Or maybe <laughs> one is, and you got to read all of them. to find out which one it is. <laughs> um, just to tie in with this thought of we'll forget most of the things that we read. As a result of that, we need to capture what's important about the books that we read. This also ties in with the point from before about um, that, that intellectual deepening will happen at different points throughout the day. It's not only when reading. That's probably a fair thing to say, right? Conversation is an important mm-hmm. way of gaining knowledge. Just being out on walks would be another way of getting important knowledge. Um, uh, have at hand a notebook or a box of slips of paper. Uh, make a note without waking. Oh, he, he's talking about this in the context of you should have a notebook next to your bed so that you don't have to like wake up in the middle of the night. You can just like write your note and then go back to bed. Make a note without waking up too fully, without turning on the light if possible, then fall back into the shadows. To get the thought thus off your mind will perhaps help you sleep instead of disturbing it. So keep a notebook with you at all times so that you can capture those ideas as you go, um, even at night, right? There's an intellectual deepening happening there. Okay, so where have we gotten so far? We've said that anyone can be an intellectual. It's whether you are pursuing uh, that, that deepening of the mind or not. 
the l amount of time that these intellectual pursuits take is two hours a day is what Sir Leonge is recommending. I think a reasonable way of modernizing that is to say it's not just two hours of focused time, but that you should be collecting whatever is interesting to you throughout the day, which could come from conversation. It could come from um, online, right? I don't, I have a whole like list of tweets that I think are fascinating that I've screenshotted. So sure. I think that counts as things that I'm collecting throughout the day. I mean, we're entering in a really interesting time with the growth of Substack. Yes. And now actually people who are, who have really worthwhile things to say are really being able to leverage that without having to go through a corporation sure. or, a, or, or some sort of like editorial, not, not to rag on editorial boards, but like you don't just have to go and find the Atlantic right. to go find, read someone who's really, who has a really good take on a c current event or whatever. Sure. Um, you, but the trouble is you need to sift and weed and find. Maybe, but as long as you, it requires you trust the person who you're following on Substack. Mm -hmm. And for as long as they're interesting, you can follow them, right? Mm -hmm. And then abandon them when they're not interesting. What is this Substack? Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, what's it called? It's a, it's a subscription site where you can subscribe to different thinkers, different writers that you find interesting. Oh, it's essentially just like creating a, a, a blogging website, but they integrate Email. it in a, it makes it really easy to monetize it. Yep. So that's, that's how it's huh. sort of grown. Um, but the, it's, and it's not just like people talking about politics uh, or current events. I want to say the top 10 are like, it's like a bunch of Bitcoin uh, newsletters. I'm sure there are. Yeah. But this, I found ones where there's one guy and he lives in rural New Hampshire and he tries to tell little like folk fables. Like the kinds of things that you would see, like Aesop's fables, but he's writing his own. And he is an engineer, like a like a software engineer, but he lives in rural New Hampshire, and he's every he just writes these little folk fables, and they're absolutely delightful, you know. And um, uh, how's you know, and he's able to make money doing. I don't know. Right. It's just so there's there's it's kind of this thing that's happening, and growing, and yeah. Anyway. And even when people talk about, there are other websites you can go through to do that, but Substack's probably the main one right now. Sure, but yeah. to your point, saying that like, yes, we're, we don't need to dog on the internet. Like there, like it is. There are good things that you can find on there, collect course, on there. Yeah. Even if I, I think this with like uh, people complain about their Twitter uh, timeline. Is it called a timeline? Mm -hmm. What's it called? What, a feed, your, I guess. Your Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. You can cultivate that, right? Sure. This, I'm sure we've referenced this before, but AJ, what does your Instagram feed look like? Oh, I don't. I, I've gotten off Instagram. Oh, I do have Reddit. Did. But your oh. Instagram feed was like was cat memes, and fail blog, and uh, and the onion, and the onion. yeah, <laughs> so and like, Babylon B. So I, it was all it was all like non angst inducing. I didn't follow any individual person that would yeah. make me feel bad about myself. It was just people being bad at stuff and cats yeah. mostly, which is was honestly delightful. And I've thought about this of you know having different Twitter accounts that are you know when I would just want to waste time and laugh. Here's my meme account. When mm -hmm. I just want to like read about finance, here's the finance one. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are ways to you know the the problem is probably rarely actually with Twitter or Instagram. It's with who you choose to follow in the first place. Yes. Right? So. It's, yeah. You, your gates and walls aren't all that calibrated. Yes, but you can put them up right For sure. there, and there are ways to do it. So okay. Um, just in line with this idea of the time that is set aside for. This intel these intellectual pursuits, he, I, I'll read this, maybe, I don't know if I'd call it a story, but uh, what, I think this is the situation for most people of what they're giving up for that time would look something like this. Uh, but look at these serious people called workers, businessmen, industrialists, public officials, big merchants. I speak of them in the mass. When evening comes, they lay down the reins and throw off thought, giving their minds up to the dissipation which is supposed to refresh them. Dining, smoking, playing cards, talking noisily, frequenting the theaters or the music halls, gaping at the cinema, and going to bed with minds relaxed. Um, you, maybe you can tell from this that it's written in the 1930s, but anyway. <laughs> because, you know, uh, what else would you add to this list? How do people relax at the end of the day? Yeah, any, like Netflix, yeah. Wouldn't all, Netflix all be the... the uh... Yeah, TV. My dad yeah. sleeps in his chair and... I don't know. My mom listens to music. Yeah. So yeah, maybe would add more to that list. Yes, indeed, relaxed, but like a violin with all its strings completely slackened. What a labor next day to tune them all up again. I know industrialists who find their relaxation in reading uh, Montaigne. Uh, uh, it has a longer list of authors here. Deep in a comfortable armchair, well lit from behind 
Beside the fire, their family around them, quiet or in the buzz of pleasant activity, they live a while after having toiled all day. This is their moment. This is the moment of the man when the specialist has done has done facing up with head and heart to innumerable difficulties. And then he goes on from there. But that's that's as clear as you can get that the point of this book isn't just for monks in a monastery to read more books that this is for anyone at the end of their long day to find intellectual pursuits that are relaxing in a way that isn't just for the it's not only for the sake of developing the mind it's to prepare yourself for the next day of work as Mm, well mm -hmm. right it's there's something to it's like a mental fitness of some kind that you're prepared for the next day as opposed to you know what you would really rather do is slack off and experience entertainment that mm-hmm. um, it's a relaxing type of work that you're doing, I guess is one way to put that. Okay. That is, have we covered everything on this one? I think we got through all the big ones. Anyone can be an intellectual that it requires a commitment of time that uh, seeking broad base of knowledge is a, is a great way to go. And that that broad base prepares you for the heights of knowledge. Um, some of this comes from, I had originally wanted to do, I think I might've mentioned this to you all that I, I was going to do a episode on um, Euclid on, on mathematics, but I accidentally got the wrong copy of great books of the Western world from the library. Cause I'm a dumbhead. Um, but there's this story about um, in the 1990 version of great books of the Western world, they took out a number of the scientific and mathematical works that were in the 1954 mm. version. And the hmm. re- the reasoning for that was that they were deemed too complicated for the common reader. Um, yeah. And that's just one of those things like the, that that's one of those insulting things to me to pretend that like math is for only a certain kind of human. Yes. And same for science. (laughs) Yeah. And I want, and it was probably, you know, I haven't read it, so maybe it is actually super complicated, but it was something about, I think it was on optics. So like literally how does, how do eyes work? Which sounds kind of interesting, but that's fun. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those insulting things to say that someone who hasn't, someone who has said, I want to read the, greatest thoughts there are of the Western world can't attain to the heights of Mm -hmm. science, scientific discoveries from 500 years ago. I mean, this is why some classical schools have it where you, you as teachers are on a rotation of the courses you teach. So instead of me teaching 10th grade English for 30 years, um, I have to go and teach math and science and physics and geometry. And then the geometry teacher it's not the geometry teacher. It is a teacher who is now teaching English, who is now teaching literature, who is now teaching history. And mm-hmm. there's something super appealing to that. I imagine that there's something incredibly like anxiety producing for a, for a school administration <laughs> in that. Um, right. And it's probably difficult. You have to find people that are wanting to do that um, as like a t- as a as a as a profession. Like a, but wouldn't that be a good signal? Totally. It's a lifelong learner yeah. someone who, uh, or someone who has that broad base of knowledge that would want to um, continue to specialize that way. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's something to that that it, I've been thinking about. You talked about, are they called master teachers? What are the people in, do they teach like that where they're teaching different subjects? It was in England. I'm, I'm not sure. I would imagine they're teaching single subjects. Okay. Um, I'll find another quote I was looking for. I'll, we'll do it in the Patreon. I mean, we do this with younger grades, right? Your third grade teacher teaches everything. Yes. And so I'll find this for the Patreon in between, but he has a quote in here about the dangers of focusing on just one subject at a time, that it prom- it promotes certain like intellectual vices to only study math or to only study English. Um, Uh-oh. And maybe we'll talk about that in the in-between episode. But yeah, we'll we also that- talk about like what our personal projects are on right now. Oh, yeah, we should do, yeah. Let's do that in the in between yeah. since we're uh, drawing to the end of this one. But you mean the in between that is available to the <laughs> ten dollars uh, a month Patreon subscribers? Yeah. So again, main takeaways here: there are lots of practical things in this book. As the super flowery quote from the beginning probably shows you, it's not a book that's like made to be summarized. So sorry, you listening right now. It's a book that I think will encourage you to the pursuit of. Uh, intellectual deepening and that's where it's helpful of um, prodding you to like actually try right to actually (laughs) uh, care about uh, these intellectual projects that you go after so we'll talk more about that in the in-between but Mm -hmm. I think that's all I have right now cool cool all right well uh, this has been classical stuff you should know thanks for listening and you can find us on the 
Twitters at CLSSCAL stuff. You can find our website at classical stuff or patreon.com slash classical stuff. Yes. We also sell the classical stuff.net website. Classical stuff.net is also our website. And uh, you can reach us via email at the guys at classical stuff.net. And we will try to reply to as many emails as we can. And so this is the boys just barely post Easter signing off. Bye. Ciao. Bye.